Hi, this is former WWE superstar Al Snow, and you're about to listen to live and in color with the one and only Wolfie D. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13, to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits, and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one more time to the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Today we welcome an old friend of Wolfie's, Mr. Al Snow. Mr. Snow, how are you doing today, sir? If I were doing any better, I'd be jealous of myself, boys. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's funny. Al, man, uh, you know, I texted you the other night, hey, man, when you do the show, you were quickly responsive to come on here, and I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, oh, thank you for having me on. You know, I want to whore myself out anywhere I possibly can. So yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm flattered, man. I'm flattered. Um, the first thing, honestly, that I want to get, I mean, it's the elephant in the room, man. It really is, man. Um, and and I, I want to lead into it by saying this, man. Like, as a kid, my kids, everything, I was an avid swimmer at a young age, uh, avid swimmer. Um, very good at that. And um, the thing with you and you were what Destin, I think it was Destin, Florida. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. And 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 I'll tell you just to lead up to this, just to tell you, like I said, I was an avid swimmer. I mean, always good about that stuff. But in Puerto Rico, one time when I was there, uh, I was body surfing, man, and I got caught a wave, and it, it dumped me. It dumped me hard. It, it threw my swimming trunks off and everything. And that, you know, it, it made me realize that a swimming pool and the ocean have different power and stuff like this. So I really just personally want to hear the story. Where were you? How was that set up? How did you get there? And, uh, I mean, just get, give me a good story about that, man. Well, um, I mean, we were, my wife and I went down to Destin for the week just to kind of get away. And we were spending time down there with a couple friends that they, they have a vacation house down there. And, yeah. um, you know, we went down, uh, drove down on Monday and, um, you know, we got down there Monday evening and we had, you know, Tuesday we went to the beach. We only had a couple hours at the beach. Um, yeah. And the reason this is pertinent to the story is, is that um, Wednesday a tropical storm had blown in. Okay. Um, and it rained and, and the water was really rough. And so we, we couldn't go down to the beach. And um, we were going to come back on Thursday, that Thursday, because, you know, I've got OBWTV i got to produce every week. So, right. um we got to talking about it. It was like, well, shoot, we drove all the way down here. We only got one short afternoon at the beach. You know, we decided we were just going to go ahead and stay on Thursday because the plan was not to be there. And um, Thursday we went out, and, and the water was, was a little rough. There was a section uh, that the, uh, the light, local lifeguard had put up cones on the beach to designate, like, a, this area not to go in. Right. Um, cause it was a little stronger, the tide and, and, the the waves were a little stronger there. And, um, so, you know, everybody pretty much stayed, steered clear of that area. Yeah. Um, then I was out in the water and, um, uh, suddenly, you know, just heard a commotion, heard, heard some people yelling and 
I looked over and a little boy had um, floated into that area and yeah. I could tell he was, you know, yelling for help because he was trying to swim, but as he swam, um, not exaggerating, it looked like somebody had tied a rope to his foot and was just dragging him out to sea. Right. Um, um, every time a wave would come in, he'd just go backwards that much faster. And, mm. um, you know, I saw the mother was running down the beach and she was, you know, somebody helped my son. And um, I didn't, you know, I just, just you know, it's nothing, nothing big. I mean, I did what yeah. anybody else would have done. I just took off and... I don't know how I got there, but I ran through the water. I didn't swim because it wasn't deep enough. You know, it was, it was yeah, shallow. Was shallow. How, far, how far out was he? Uh, he was starting to get further and further out and yeah. and, the, and into stronger and stronger water. And I got there and grabbed him by the wrist. And uh, because if I had missed him, I mean, Wolfie, he'd have, that'd have been it. He was, he was going to yeah. go, you know, and it yeah. was at a point where, anybody that went to try to get him beyond that was going to really put themselves at risk even more and mm-hmm. um, pulled him to me. And, and no sooner than I pulled him to me, a wave took us under and, and I could feel the, the riptide was pulling on me. I dug my feet into the sand and pushed. And I got to be honest, like for a split second, I thought of Chad Gaspard and, and I thought, you know, is this going to be the way I'm going to go? Yeah. And, um, you know, I came up out of the water and, um, you know, started pushing my way forward against the tide and, um, you know, handed him off to the, uh, lifeguard. She was, you know, she was five foot, nothing. And, you know, she was lucky if she's a hundred pounds, if she'd have went out there and tried to get him by herself, they, it would have just pulled them both out into the water for sure. And, uh, um, I cut, started to cut parallel across and, you know, kind of diagonally, um, to the, to the beach and got up on the beach and, then all of a sudden, all the adrenaline went out, and I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> I just about <laughs> yeah. over the uh, the uh, uh, cooler that we had there on the beach, and just stood there. And yeah, and, um, and that's why I kind of kind of led up to it with the fact that man, I know how to swim. And then in Puerto Rico one time, it, it, the ocean earned my respect because yeah. it pulled me. Took me, it ripped my shorts off and everything like that. You think you're yeah. good, but Mother Nature, man. <laughs> no, you can't beat it, man. She's bad, and and yeah. that's, just, that's just very cool that you were there to do that. I don't care who it was, you know, somebody I know or somebody I don't know. That was just, I mean, honestly, you saved the kid's life, and uh, you know, bless your heart for doing it, man. Uh, just you know, luckily we chose to chose to be there, you know, another day and happened to be in the right place at the right time and, you know, was able to help and, and it all worked out for the best for everyone. So, you know, um, and I, you know, I, you know, remember last year, you know, Shad, he was a big man. He was not yeah, small yeah, yeah. and he went out and, you know, to save his son and, you know, the tide pulled him straight out and they, yeah. they didn't find his body for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, uh, it was scary for a moment, just for a brief moment. It got really frightening. So. I believe it, man. But uh, like I said, man, I mean, thank God you were there. Hey, folks, to get your official Live and in Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, Go ahead and leave a five-star rating. 
And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. Me and you ain't talked in, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. And uh, I sent you a text, I guess, the day that I saw it. I don't know how many days away it was. Uh, just I said, hey, man, awesome, thank you. And you text back, you know. But, and then that kind of led us to here. Um, but, man, Al, you've done so much in this business, man. And, and I'll be honest with you, man. Just less than 30 minutes ago, uh, I listened to, just because I want to do a little bit of research, even though we know each other, I, I want to do sure. a little search on what's going on and blah, blah, blah. Um, you have the exact same feelings about the business that I do. And the things I want to talk about today with you are, sure. um, you know, the OVW thing. And uh, Danny Davis, uh, when I got in the business, uh, that was who I was married to at uh, at 18 years old. I worked with Danny through yeah. Memphis every single night. And then... You know, he developed OVW and blah, blah, blah. But, man, that guy taught me how to work. And I, I kind of want to know what your relationship with Danny is and then how yeah. you get to be the OVW guy now. How did that happen? <laughs> well, um, here's kind of how I rib myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Danny and I are great friends. I love Danny dearly. And, uh, you know, Danny's retired now and is down in Florida. And he purposely sends me pictures of him on the beach all the time to basically rip me. Um, and uh, I had um, um, was back in Louisville and um, kind of visited Danny a couple of times, you know, just kind of hanging out. And yeah. um, he had... Uh, he just one day he goes, Hey, you ever interested in buying a wrestling company? Let me know. And I was like, Oh, sure. You know, just laughed it off. You know what I mean? And, um, so, um, what had happened was, uh, earlier in the year that year, um, actually the year prior, uh, a young guy had, uh, who was poorly trained, wrestled out in St. Louis, Missouri and, and, um, took a spine buster, got hit his head and, um, had, you know, swelling on the brain, was in a coma for like four or five days. And they ultimately they pulled the plug on him and he died. And yeah. I just thought, you know, that it was absurd that we have such a proliferation of wrestling schools now, quote unquote, wrestling schools. We don't have any real standards anymore in the business. And my wife, who is a licensed masseuse, I found it insulting that my wife has to have a license, that she has to go to a state accredited school for massage. She has to complete, she has to be taught by a state accredited teacher. She has to complete a certain number of state accredited hours. And she then has to um, basically have a certain amount of hours of internship before she can even take a test to get a license to do a massage on somebody. And the likelihood of her injuring someone in a massage is it's not, it's there, but it's not, you know, like it is with professional wrestling. And, you know, remember, I'm sure, because when you broke in, 
you know, the people that broke you in, they, you know, you, you were now responsible for the name. I mean, it, that carried a lot of weight. And right, right. that was why the business was so closed was because people were held accountable, responsible for who they brought in. Yeah. And that's gone away. And um, it's led to the degradation of the wrestling business um, because yeah. there are no standards. And yeah. so as a result... I reached out. I know it's not a popular thing, but uh, I reached out to the Maryland State Commission, the Louisiana State Athletic Commission. Um, I reached out to the Missouri State Athletic Commission, and I even uh, took it upon myself to go physically down to the meet with the board of the Kentucky State Athletic Commission to propose just exactly that, that there should be a state-accredited school. It should be having state-accredited teachers. They should have a certain requirement. There should be a training license for wrestlers, they can't. They shouldn't just be able to pay their money and be, uh, you know, a professional wrestler. Uh, right. I think it's absurd, and you know, yeah. because no matter what anybody says or thinks, um, and you can attest to this, Wolfie, that every time you step in that ring, there's an there are odds that you might suffer a life-altering or life-ending injury. Absolutely. You know, and so. You know, there needs to be a level of professionalism. And, uh, you know, uh, I was, of course, turned down by all of them because they were more concerned about, you know, they thought that it would affect how many people got a license. Um, yeah. and, as, yeah. and as a result, they wouldn't have as much money coming in. Yeah. And, and we all know the thing in Kentucky, especially, man. I mean, I have a huge opinion on this, man. Uh, yeah. The the guys there, and I was there during that because when I worked for USWA, I never, ever, if I had one, I don't know about it. You know what I'm saying? As far as I'm sure. like, whatever. And then, you know, 90, I don't know, 7 or 98, it came along that, you know, Ian Rotten was doing all that stuff. And sure, yeah. Pissing contest uh, with him and uh, what's his name, Guntherman. And so then everything got all weird in Kentucky, man. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that, though. Yeah, and it's everywhere. You know, it's everywhere. You know, and, and you know, what they didn't realize is that in the short term, sure, they may have lost a little bit as far as number of people that were getting a license. But in the long term, the, 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 talent, the talent would be improved dramatically because of the standards, which then means that the shows that people attend – yeah. the performances would be better, which means that Absolutely. more people would want to come and pay the money to see it. As a result, the promoters would have more money to run more shows. And then and at the end of the day, the commissions would end up making more money in the long run than they would if they kept it the way it is right now. And the safety of the wrestlers themselves would be improved dramatically, which was really right. what I was concerned about. So and, and anyways, at the end of the day, uh, I met my par partner, Chad Miller, who's a really motivated individual in athletics and, and um, in sports and uh, sports conditioning. And, and uh, he was at the time, he was the executive director of the board. Um, he resigned from his position so that he, myself, and the original partners, uh, Joe Reeves and Larry Benz, we could purchase uh, OVW from uh, Danny Davis. Yeah. And uh, Danny retired and purchased OVW back in 2018 and been plugging away ever since, you know? Yeah. Um, 
We've filled it, it up it, where it has been really cool. I'll tell you for me, because like when I worked for OVW back in like, I don't know, 99, 2000, something like that. Uh, you know, it was WWE developmental. Um, but, you know, I was there. Cornette was pretty much the, uh, the guy for that and everything like that. It's, it's a whole different dude. I, I, I live in Somerset, Kentucky now. Um, yeah. And, I turn on the TV and you're on TV every time I see it, man. Every, every <laughs> different channels and different times. I'm like, man, he's doing great with this. Yeah, we're you know we've expanded. I mean, regionally we're we're on in uh, Louisville, we're on in Lexington, we're on in Hazard, we're on in Bowling Green. You know, which yeah. is great because you know live event wise we can you know operate uh, regionally. Um, nationally, yeah. we're on like. I think eight different national networks were on the YTA network. We just got on the action channel there, which is a combined like reach of about 55 million homes. Um, we're on Cox sports. Out of Louisiana. Who's doing that? Is that you? Al? Who's doing that? Who's going to, yeah, that's me. That's me. Yeah. And then we're, we're on fight TV every Thursday night live from seven to nine. We're the only, we're the only promotion outside of WWE or AEW that if you're a young professional wrestler, it's the only place that you can get experience on live TV before you go to one of those bigger platforms. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And I'll just say this, man. I, and, and I, I, I saw the guy back before I got out of the business and I like the gimmick just cause I'm a mark for like metal and stuff like that. But I see uh, Ryan House still out there now, and I, I don't know. I love that uh, guy comes to the ring with a guitar thing. It just somebody get that over for me. I love the Dean because I'm a Kiss fan. But anyway, get that over for me, man. Well, we are. He's he's been great, you know, because um, I turned him heel, and but he's a he's he's an oblivious heel. He thinks that everybody loves hearing him play the guitar. And right. he's great, but the thing is that I get I go out I have him play it so long and so obnoxiously loud that people yeah. get mad, yeah. and it's been getting him a ton of heat. So it's been he's been great. He's really hitting that's his stride. Awesome. Yeah, I mean it, it, that's what being a heel. You know, guys don't realize yeah. that being you know used to if you were the heel, you know everybody. If I ask these questions all the time of the of talent today and, and they always get the wrong answers, you know, because they just don't know. That's what's sad, right. you know, and, and it's like, well, what's a heel's job? Well, it's to get heat. I'm like, no, it's not. The heel's job is to get the baby face over whatever it takes to get the baby face over so that the heel can get heat, you yeah. know, and sometimes the heel I, would I purposely make themselves look I, like an ass, you know, you're, you're 10 years older than me and you broke in, I don't know, uh, five to 10 years before me, I was 15. You were probably about the same age uh, when you broke in, I think. But it, it, you probably remember this. I, I was always accustomed to what can I do to go out there and make my opponent look better to how many spots can I get in? And that, that's where it's changed, you know? Yes. Well, and that's because, and I'm not saying this is a disparagement against the the talent these days, but no, it's because awesome. they don't under they don't understand, and that is that, and and this is why they they're so stressed and they're so, you know, they try to remember absolutely everything that they've called is because and they're so scared to make a mistake is that they don't wrestle for the audience anymore. Yeah, they, they wrestle, wrestle for each other. Yeah, absolutely. Remember that old saying? I, you probably haven't heard this in years, man. 
don't get rabbit ears. And, and, and yeah. you know, to coincide all this, Danny Davis was the person that I think taught me that was don't get rabbit ears. We'll take it down, and we got no place to go but up after that. And yeah, that's right. Like, the old school mentality, but everybody's got rabbit ears now. And now the rabbit ears ain't even rabbit ears; they're uh, internet ears. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the shift has become that the the talent now sell what they do, not sell who they are and why they do it. And, and I'll, I'll um, tell you something else, man. I listened, like I said before, me and you start talking. I, I listened to something else you were talking about. I was like, God, this is me talking. And I've always said this, man. I'm I'm a huge mark for magic. I yes. know that David Copperfield is not magic. But I yes. do want him to tell me how he does the tricks. I want to sit there and watch that and be left in disbelief. And sure. I, that, that's the missing piece to me of what's going on now. And, you know, you have this argument of, okay, you know, these old guys, you know, Cornette, all these guys, they don't want it to go away. But... It's still you can't you can't get somebody uh, to believe in your shit a little bit if they know. Like I can't make you mad, Al. If you know I'm trying to make you mad, that's where the heat goes with the heels. I used to think you know this dude was a dastardly fucking person, but now I know he's playing that character. Well, it comes down to, and you know. Um, one simple thing, and that is you're, you're a product. Whether you're a heel or a babyface, you're a product. And you're, what you're doing is that you're trying to sell who you are to that audience and make them believe in you. Yeah. Basically buy, buy into you, you know, and totally believe who you are and what you're selling. Right. And if that's great. And you, you can still accomplish that today. I don't care what anybody says because – a big newsflash, and I've said this before on other podcasts, you know, um, people didn't realize that wrestling was predetermined just recently. No. People realized since the 1920s that in the, at least in the United States since the 1920s, that wrestling was predetermined. Right. You know, in 1976, I was 12 years old. My family, I love them all dearly. None of them are Menza candidates. None of them are, you know, got a genius <laughs> card. Okay. <laughs> Everyone I proclaimed that I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Every one of them proclaimed, why do you want to do that? That's fake. Now, how right. did they know that? You know, right. I love my grandmother dearly, but she had never wrestled in her life. You know, right. but she, she stood straight up and said, why would you want to do that? That's fake. You know, but there's also yeah. the thing in the, and I'm, I guarantee you can relate to this when I say it, man. Every person that I, even up to this day, as things have changed, but especially back then when, and I've said this a hundred times, when somebody met me and they go, oh, okay, wrestling, yeah, okay, you're a wrestler. Man, I know what y'all do is fake, but one time where I went to, yep, yeah, and I saw so and so and so and so, and that shit yeah. was real. And I just always think to myself, no, they were just good performers and they worked you, you know. Yeah. But yeah. We, now we go on social media, and well, I don't, and I don't think you do either. But no. guys go on there and they, they, oh, hey, thanks for the match, or just, you know, I want to, yeah. Action, you know, no, no, man, no. The kayfabe, yeah. <laughs> well, and and kayfabe is is simply, um, you know, that a lot of the young guys mis misunderstand. Kayfabe is not 
you know, oh, you're just trying to lie to people or whatever. It's not. Kayfabe is respect for your your craft and it's respect for your audience. That's what it is. It's no different than if you go watch a movie and they spend millions of dollars in that movie ensuring that at no point in time while you're in that movie theater should anything, even the slightest thing, happen out of place that takes you out of that world. Yeah. And that's all, that's all you're doing is for your audience. You're ensuring that at no point in time if anything ever happened to take them out of that world. And unfortunately for us, it's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's not actors. You know, we are, we are wrestlers, and yeah. we are selling the fact that we're prize fighters in a competition fighting to get paid because yeah. that ultimately is the only consequence of losing is that we may not get paid or not paid as much. You can work the people sometimes, but I, I always made it a thing for me. And I know there's been more than one time where I've come back from the ring and the boys would be like, Oh, he caught you on that. Didn't he? And I'm like, no, nah. <laughs> I just told it well and made you believe it. So I know they did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's in the listen, that's a that's a moment of pride that you can get Absolutely. you can get the, you can work the boys and make the boys wonder whether or not you really got caught. You yeah. know for a fact that the people in the audience bought it. And Absolutely. you know, I would really encourage every young wrestler who's listening that instead of trying to have the best match on the show, which is of course ridiculous because you're having it determined by somebody who's never done it. Um, <laughs> right. Instead of that why don't you have the one match on the show that the person, the, the people in the audience question and go, you know, I know this stuff's fake, but you know, these guys look like they're really trying to kill each other. Right. That, you know? That's legit to me. And yeah, that, that's the thing. Cause that's what I always thought. Even I feel like I was, uh, I, and I say this in a comical way, but my stepfather, he got me into wrestling when I was eight years old, man. And, uh, we had the first, one of the first, forehead VCRs. You, you probably know that, Al. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Lawler and Kaufman did that thing. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I watched that back in slow motion trying to figure out to myself because I knew they were working, but I was not convinced. And I had Lawler on a few weeks ago. We talked about this. Dude, that was the biggest work ever. It is because they they worked it. They sold it and they kayfabe, man. And I, I cannot convince me that to a certain level, you can still do that today. If oh, you can. People Absolutely can. With just kayfabe. Yeah, you can. And, you know, because I think that's, again, um, because people, the, the young generation aren't being taught that to understand that work is not, you know, I hear this term all the time. It's one of the most misused terms in the business these days. And that is, oh, he's a great worker. Oh, she's a great worker. Okay, what does that, how do you determine they're a great worker? Oh, they can, they can go. They can really yeah. go. They can do it. No, that doesn't make them a great worker. That makes yeah. them a great athlete. That makes them a tremendous performer. That doesn't yeah. make them a worker. Because to work somebody is to make them believe a lie. And the only lie in professional wrestling, that the only lie that ever, and that's why I tell, there's no old school, that's bullshit. There's no new school, that's bullshit. In order for you to be old or new, you've got to have reinvented the wheel and no longer be round. Like somehow you made it octagonal or hexagonal. That we're no longer selling the same thing that we were selling in 1900, okay? Right. And right. that's just not the fact. The fact of the matter is, 
in 1900, we were only selling one thing, and that was that we were selling the finish, that we were out there to win and not lose. Right. In 2021, that's what you're supposed to be selling, that you're out there trying to win and not lose, and that win or loss has a consequence to it. That's mm -hmm. it. You're not selling the moves, okay? Because at the end of the day, the reason football, baseball, and basketball have enormous audiences in the United States is one reason only. That's because we've all played those sports. We yeah. physically relate to what we're watching, okay? That's why hockey has a bigger audience in Canada than it does in the United States. That's why soccer is bigger all over the rest of the world than it is here. The right. top three most te watched televised sporting events in the world are number one, the World Cup of Soccer. Number yeah. two is the World Cup of Cricket. And number three is the World Cup of Rugby. Do you know why? Because the rest of the planet all over this entire planet play those sports. What, yeah. do, what do we not watch at all here? None of those sports. Why? Because we don't play them. Soccer has a bigger audience now than it ever has before because more generations of kids have been playing it. Yeah. But cricket, rugby, no, not at all. And professional wrestling, unless you've stepped into a ring, you're never going to physically relate to what we do. You're only going to relate to why we did it. And that's what's missing today is the why. The, you know, where's the why yeah. you're going to cheat? Here's why are you going to get, you know, attack this guy after the fact or beforehand? Why are you, you know, why, why are you trying to win so hard that that's what drives tickets? Absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more, man. Uh, but that is some serious insight when you gave the numbers on, on the other sports and things like that. That gave me a new insight on that. I'm not going to lie. Um, I do want to talk about this real quick, man. Do you remember, sure. I guess it was like 2013, me and you met, uh, I think it was 13, me and you met for lunch. And I was like, man, uh, it's when I changed out of my PG-13 gimmick. I had already wrestled for OVW doing the slash thing, and then I kind of converted it again. You know, I had this reinventment idea. I, I feel like I've always prided myself on having a, a good gimmick and stuff like that. Uh, and we met for lunch. You were still working for TNA. And I said, okay, it's called the Lycan Assassin. I showed you pictures, and you said, what's the backstory? <laughs> yeah. Me, that was the last question I was expecting to hear from you, and it was like I had no answer for it. I'm like, I don't know, it just looks cool, Al. <laughs> you help me out here, <laughs> but that, that, that's important because it's if you can't if you can't describe who you are to me, how am I then going to sell you to the audience? Right, and I, and today I understand that, but at that moment. <laughs> Fuck, man! I just reinvented myself, did all this, and and you went, "What's the backstory?" And I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know. It just looks cool." <laughs> I was trying to help, though. I was trying to help. <laughs> I know. I do the same yeah. thing today when guys come in, you know, to the office in OVW, and they're, "Oh, I got this idea," and I'm like, "Okay, great. What is it?" And they'll, you know, "I want to do this," and I'll go, "Okay, who are you?" Right. And they go, "Well." I don't know. And I'll go, well, but if you don't know, how am I going to be able to know? How am I going to be able to sell you to the audience? Because the only thing I'm selling is who you are right. and why you're doing it. So if you can't explain that to me, how am I going to then explain it to, to the audience? Or how are you going to, how are you going to wrestle differently? Right. You know, because you don't really, you really don't reinvent yourself. If you, if you don't know those things, you're just going to go out and wrestle the same way you did when you were the other character. Right. Then that you really haven't changed, you know, and that that's a big disconnect. Guys don't realize that, you yeah. know, if, if Steve Austin didn't wrestle the way Steve Austin wrestled, 
You know, it wouldn't work. He had never right. gotten over because he wrestled like a beer drinking ass kicking redneck would have wrestled, you right. know, and that, that's why it worked. That's why it made sense, you know, and that's what it, you know, the same with Mick Foley and gold dust and, you know, and undertaker undertaker wrestled like a dead guy, you know, he did right. things that made you think, Oh yeah, that's what a dead guy would do. That's why he got over because at no point in time did he, tell you this guy and then when the bell rang he started wrestling like he was a junior heavyweight in japan right and you remember this man uh not long after that uh you actually called me and i was laying in bed and me and d talked about this because he was on the show the week before and uh he was an agent when when i came up there again. so it wasn't long after that you called me and you said hey man we're doing a a reunion, uh, what was it called? One night only or something like that. And you said, Oh, the ECW thing. Yeah. Yeah. For, for no TNA. And I yeah. Said, Ow, man. I said, I'm hurt right now. And I was literally laying in the bed, like just hurt. And, and I just, I said, no. And I, I told you, no, when you said, we're doing a pay-per-view, blah, blah. I hung up the phone and then I called you back. I don't know. It was like five minutes later. I don't even know if you remember that. I called you back like five minutes later and I said, Al, I'll be there. And you said, you just told me you were hurt. And I said, I'll be all right, man. I said, because I think we were like six weeks out from doing it. Yeah. So brought me back as Slash uh, with uh, Sin was my partner, Sin Bodie. Yeah. But go up and uh, I think the whole crew, I, I, I've said this a couple of times, man. Like when I thought about it, I was trying to get a job back. And when I showed up, it was, it was me and Sin against uh, LAX. And Jim Mitchell was there, who was my manager when I had the good TNA run, where me and Brian Lee were the tag team champions that had a great run and all that shit. And like, he wasn't with us. And I didn't even talk to, it was Homicide and uh, the the other big guy, Sean. Yeah, yeah. And, Super nice. Yeah, and, and I couldn't, like, I swear to God, it was, and d was the agent. Me and him talked about this. It was 15 minutes before we go to the ring on a pay-per-view before I even spoke to those guys. So the whole backstage thing right then, that's what I really want to focus on. Because to me, it's so sure. I watch it back on tape, and I'm like, eh, this was not the match that I wanted to have to get a job back. But what was going on then? Why was everybody so down? You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I can speculate. I think it was because it was in such chaos. You know, Impact was always in such chaos and turmoil. And, you know, um, they were always the, you know, they were, you got to give them credit. I mean, and I've said this plenty of times before, you know, they, they, they produced and put on a show that they had a third of the talent that WWE had, they had a third of the production staff, they had a third of, a third of everything. And, you know, they put on a comparable, comparable show on a regular basis. Yeah. And that was because everybody busted their ass and worked so hard from the talent on, on down, you know, yeah. but I think it, it, you know, what was, what was so frustrating was because everybody was working so hard and we just kept losing ground. And, yeah. um, and I think that comes down to, and again, it's just speculation. It's just my opinion, but yeah. I think it comes down to, you know, um, you know, and I think a lot of people make this mistake today, and that is that they were marketing to 
just the wrestling fans, just the you know hardcore wrestling fans, and and not to the to the casual fans, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's where the real money's at. That's where the real audience is at. That's you know. And, you know, whenever there was ever a successful, you know, that when Memphis got hot, the reason it got hot was because the casual fans got interested and started buying right. tickets. And that's always the thing. I've always said that. Yeah. Man. And and this leads me into something that I was just thinking of to, to ask you about, because I think me and you uh, mentally think about wrestling the same way. Everybody's pushing on AEW right now, and people just that I know and, and, and work and things like that have asked me this question. I don't think, okay, yeah, they, they've they got the momentum right this second, uh, but it's still trying to take over the NFL in comparison. I mean, you're, you're anybody that's always come after Vince is like trying to take over the NFL. I don't think, yeah, they got Punk, and what a great reaction he's got, and you know, bringing in these new guys, but there's always that one person that comes in, what, every 10 years, there's that Hulk Hogan, there's that Stone Cold, there's that Rock, there's that person. They do not have that person that's going to take it over the top. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know. But how do you feel on that when I say that? uh, There's that one person with that X factor that just has to come along. Well, I agree 100% with you. There is, you always need that one, you know, baby face that gets tremendously over. But the other part of the equation is, is that, and, and there's, but there's more to this answer. Um, the other part of that equation is you've got to have a heel that has heat. Stone Cold Steve Austin would never have been as over as he was if it hadn't had, he hadn't had Vince. And he didn't have a heel that had that kind of heat. Hulk Hogan would never have had the run that Hulk Hogan had if he didn't have a line of heels that could have been fed to him on a regular basis. He started with Orndorff, you know, he went to Bundy, you know, he just kept going down the line. Right. And they were all he- old-time heels that knew how to get their heat and, right. knew, you know, and knew how to draw money. Um, you know, so you can get that one guy, but you need the other, you need the opposite side of the coin. You know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I, listen, at the end of the day, you can't. You're not going to out WWE. I want AEW to succeed. I want it to not just survive but thrive because we need yeah. it. We desperately need it in the wrestling business. I mean, not just for wrestlers but for fans. Everybody, we need them to survive and really be successful. But at the end of the day, you're not going to out WWE, WWE. And here's yeah. why: for two very good reasons. Number one. In any business, not even the wrestling business, any business, you start that business, you know as well as I do. Well, it takes five to six years to really make a business successful yeah. and get a certain track record and you know build a certain audience or customer base or fan base and, and to create a certain experience that then generates income. And it's that simple. Well, they haven't even been around for five or six years yet. Right. Yeah, WWE... Okay, and here's the factor nobody takes into consideration. Impact. I try to explain that to the to people in Impact. You know, you, hey, you've been around. We've been around for 13 years now. Well, congratulations. WWE has really been in existence to some degree or another since Vince's great grandfather. Right, right. Great, Vince's great grandfather ran and promoted. Then his, then his father. Then Vince, great grandfather, grandfather, father. Then Vince. You understand that is years of connections. That is years of experience. Okay. And WWE is an iconic brand. When right. I say that, even call WWE. 
They don't even WWE. call pro wrestling. They pro call wrestling. it WWE. Exactly. You know, that's why Q-tips are a, an iconic brand for cotton swabs. Kleenex yeah. is an iconic brand for, for you know, tissues. Um, yeah. Band-Aid is an iconic brand for plastic adhesive strips. And I can go on down the list, okay? Right. But that WWE is that. It's reached that point where it is now what you identify wrestling as. Yeah. You know, and you can't, that's a lot to try to beat, period. Yep. And that's going to take not 10 years. That's going to take decades that they have underneath their belt. Vitez, from just alone, his run alone, he's got from 1980 to now of decades right. of success right. and failures of what worked and didn't work and why. And, you know, this guy's making billion-dollar deals. You're not going to have WWE, WWE, you know? Very AEW hard. at least is being smart, and they're trying to offer something that's a little different. Please yeah. keep pursuing that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, that, and that's cool because, you know, like we say, you know, they need competition. Yeah. They need the buzz that it's created right now, but – that's uh, like you just, uh, you know, solidified uh, our both answers is that there's just not that thing right now. Yeah, it's creating a buzz no. on the Internet and all that kind of stuff. But there's just not that person and that angle. This good Because you've always got your, you know, back then we called them mainstream fans. But I guess now it's, you know, your Internet guys or whatever that are going to watch wrestling regardless. They're going to watch both shows. Sure. Where they shit on them or where they don't, they're gonna watch both of them. But until you get that person that takes it to mainstream, where you've got that motherfucker on uh, Good Morning America, you know, and things like that, it's just not gonna overtake him. It's just not. No, it's it's not. And and you know, um, you've you know, it's great. You've got a buzz right now. Now capitalize on that buzz. Build. Don't just, you know, you know, think you're just going to keep riding that wave because you're not. No. You've got to, you know, use that, that what you've got right now, and you've got to really build um, and keep building each time because, you know, you pop the house to pop the town to pop the territory to right. start from where, you're, where you left off to keep building further and further up. You're always trying to build higher and higher. You know, they've popped the town. But they haven't popped the territory. Right. They've got to pop that territory to now have a higher plane to now build from going forward. Yeah. You know, and that's you know WWE has been successful in doing that. They took their hot run in the '80s, built to where they popped, popped the house, to pop the town, to pop the territory by creating WrestleMania. Then they right. used WrestleMania as a platform to build towards even greater and bigger events and more television exposure to pop further. Yeah. You know. And that's what AEW's got to do. You know, and I hope, I really sincerely hope that, that they do, that they, you know, and that the, the veterans there um, really try to, you know, redirect. Because I think also, and again, this isn't an admonishment or a disparagement of, of, of it's just a, an admission of, of reality of today, is mm -hmm. that 98% of the talent that are in the wrestling business, um, there has been one thing that has changed in the wrestling business. And that's the mindset of the talent. When, when we broke in, uh, probably 95% of the boys in the business, this is all they did to make a living, you know, and all yeah. they cared about was, Hey, how am I going to be able to, you know, how are we going to get this over? How are we going to get this angle over? How are we going to get myself over? How are we going to get this heat? How are we going to get this to draw money? 
Right. Now the the fixation, the focus by the talent is not on how are we going to draw money. It's on how am I going to have the best match on the show. Exactly. You know? exactly. And to clarify, for years I've um, brought up, you know, that everybody says that you know Steamboat and Savage had their best match at WrestleMania. And, hey, maybe they did. You know, I remember watching it and really enjoying it. You know. But yeah. from a fan standpoint, great. They had the best match on the show. But from the boys' standpoint, okay, Hogan and Andre had the best match on the show because that's what generated 93,000 people wanting to buy a ticket. Right. And instead of showing up at a show and wanting to be Savage and Steamboat, which there's nothing wrong with that, but right. why don't you try to be Hogan and Andre? Where you, yeah. You're the thing that now packed the house, yeah. you know? And... That's what frustrates me is that for years now, everybody's been, oh, it's not about, you know, I don't care about that. All I care about is, did I have a good match? Well, I do too, but you're the only reason you're in it. Your sole function, your sole existence in professional wrestling is now to be able to motivate someone to leave the comfort, safety, and security of their home, which now has become even more of a challenge. Yeah. Get in their car, drive to a building, pay to park, which is absurd, and then pay a lot of money to go sit in a seat that no one wants to sit around, around people they don't want to sit around, to watch you do your job. Right, right. That's a hard thing to do. And, and, and back to our conversation about kayfabe, when, when they, they expose it, when they demystify it, they're doing two things. And uh, one is, is that they're familiarizing the fans with something that the fans aren't really truly familiar with. They're yeah. getting information, but they don't have any real knowledge about what happened right. or why, or because yeah. they're just getting, and the more familiar you become with something, the more contemptuous you become yeah. of it. That's why all the fans complain and piss and moan about Raw every week, but they watch it every week because they've become too familiar. And I bet, I bet none of them have uh, pulled up to a building like you and I have laid in the floorboard of a car because we were riding with the wrong people just, yeah, to, just yeah. to protect our shit, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's number two yeah. is that, you know, you're selling and getting these people to invest in you to the point to where they want to care uh, enough to where they want to physically leave their house and pay to see you. That, that already is so hard because there's so many, there are so many other options that they can, that I can just sit here, never leave my house. I can shop online. I can yeah, watch yeah. whatever. I don't even have to go to the movies now. I can watch HBO Max and I can watch a movie that just came out yesterday. I can watch on my TV. Like there are so, a lot more options now. And that's, that's another thing so that element in it that you know yes. when we got in we didn't have to face that we that's true but now you you gotta you gotta work smarter when the, when the house wasn't good you'd be like oh the, the fair's in town or this that and the other and then somebody would go yeah mcdonald's is open too but now it's, there's so much more you don't have to leave your house and you can you can watch whatever you want but that's so but that's the same as that's the same as mcdonald's is open too that's just an excuse because if you're good at your job and you do what you have to do, then you're going to motivate those people to want to pay to see you. If you're not, they're not, period. They're going to, they're going to choose something else. You know, and that means you just have to work harder and smarter and also be intelligent enough to not make your job even that much more difficult by exposing it on the Internet. Exactly. You know? exactly. Protect it. Protect it. 
Yeah. You know, I, it's your business. The wrestling business is the wrestler's business. It's just these, the, the guys that, like I said, you know, congratulating each other online or, hey, yeah. promoter, book this. Me and my boy will have a great match or, you know, whatever. No, it's it's still got to be that thing of, uh, of a competition. Dude, I'm going to go out there and fight him and, you know, we'll try to make you believe. But I don't know. Yeah. I agree. It sounds so old school, and, you know, some people will disagree with that, but I believe that there's a formula that will never be broken, and I feel like people have uh, broken it a lot. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope-ass sponsors, and we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. This is Steve Bowtie Bryant here. Back in the 90s, I was a pro wrestling photographer for the South, and I released what might have been one of the original sets of indie trading cards. I ran across some of these original sets. They were up in Randall Fanning's attic all this time. PG-13 rookie card, Ricky Morton, George Weingroff as the Sheep, Chris Champion, Reno Riggins, Billy Montana, Gary Valiant, the Scorpion, the Medic, Rick Reynolds, Jeff Daniels, Mephisto and Dante, Ben Jordan, Steve Neely, Marcus Woodrow, Clinton Charisma, Little Farmer John. If you'd like an opportunity to get these cards, contact me now. You can get them for only $49.99. Contact me at stevebowtiebryant at iCloud.com. Get your set now while supplies last. Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. You know, you guys have given me some great segues. You brought up Randy Savage. You brought up the old school way. The formula will never be broken. Really, I was born in 1978. I'm from a small town in Virginia called Lebanon, Virginia, okay? We had really nothing, but we would go to Bristol to see wrestling, or we would go to smaller towns like high schools and stuff. Our biggest claim to fame was we had a professional wrestler from our town named Jim Hoot Gibson. Now, if you go on... I remember Jim. Yeah, I wrestled with him. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is where I'm leading to. If you go on YouTube and you type in Hoot Gibson, what pops up? Papo, ICW, Al Snow. You know, he used to hunt with my uncle. They would go hunting with Ron Garvin and him. And can you tell us some stuff about Jim? I would love to hear a good story about him. Well, Jim was a great guy. He was, you know, um, you know, was a good guy. I uh, I came down because, you know, that was when I was first getting started. It was probably 82 or 83, maybe 84, but I doubt it was even that late. And, right. you know, how you got started was you went around to the different territories and you, you know, you were you were brought in just to do TV. Um, you know, you were to put, brought in to put over the other guys, and that was it. And um, I remember I came down to work for the Paphos that day to do TV, and that was where I first met Rip Rogers for the first time, and he he was like, you know, 
he's got a piece of paper and he starts asking me how many matches I have. And I think like I'd worked like two years at that point or something. And, you know, I'd, I'd been working, you know, basically almost every day, um, close right. to sometimes seven days a week. You know, that was what we did. And, you know, I'm trying to add him up in my head and I'm trying to tell him that he's like, okay, so which, how many do you think were house show matches? Uh, how many were uh, TV? Because uh, house show matches are a full match. TV matches count as half. And he was doing all this math, and I know he was just working, but he took the time to, like, he was adding and subtracting, dividing, multiplying, and at the end of the day, I only had, like, 10 matches, according to him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know who I was or anything, you know. So, you know, uh, we're waiting to get TV started because Randy has passed out on his floor in his living room. He finally comes to. He shows up. He's like a whirlwind. He's right around the locker room. He's calling, telling people finishes, telling spots. You know, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, uh, you know, we, we don't really know you. You know, um, you know, we just need you to see you sell. That's all we got to do. We just need to see you sell. We don't need, you know, we don't want any offense. Just need to see you. I go, okay. So, Hoot <laughs> in the match shoots me off. It's me and uh, I think it was Doug Vine versus uh, Hoot Gibson okay. and, um, and uh, um, Ryan Garvin. And uh, Hoot shoots me off and slips and falls. Now, I could have done something, you know, and got on him or whatever. And, you know, but I would just kept in my head. I was like, well, they told me just to sell. So I just ran right past him <laughs> and hit the other <laughs> rope and came back because he was getting up off the bat and he gives me a shot to the stomach. And, you know, um, uh, back then somebody would walk out from the back with a towel around their neck. And that was the signal, the Iggy, oh, it was time to go home for TV. And uh, Ronnie, Ronnie apparently thought he saw the guy early when he didn't, and he picks me up for the pile driver, then, you know, realizes, oh, shit, I've went home early, but he can't put me back down, so he has me up at the pile driver for, like, about a minute and a half until he finally puts me down with the pile driver and beats me, so. Hey, you know, <laughs> you saying that just brings up something that I thought a million times until until I got the business and learned it, and, and you did Memphis TV, man. Uh, when Mr. Coffee, God rest his soul, Coffee would come through the curtain that meant go home. Yep. How many people stood, sat, whatever, in that studio and witnessed this little man walk out? Then all of a sudden, that was the end of the match. It, yeah, it, it yeah. never got. It never. You know, it never. Never. Right. Never connected. They never realized. <laughs> yeah. Oh, never yeah. realized. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Jack Lanza used to grab his tie and pull his tie. That was the signal to Iggy for you to go home. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's changed, things have changed now because referees have the IFB in their ears. And yeah. You can, yeah. you know, talk to them. It still gets screwed up, but, you know, you just think back how simplistic it was. And the reason it was is, and this is the only thing, God's honest truth, this is the only thing that really has changed about wrestling. And I say, I've, is that the, the one thing that has changed because wrestling has been and always will be a, a mirror of society. And, and it's times uh, that it's in. Um, but the one thing that has changed is the level of sophistication of the audience. You know, the things that we used to get away with that were so much simpler, we can't get away with now because the audience is a lot more sophisticated and, and you've got to, you, that's where, you know, I keep always telling guys, you got to work smarter. You got to, to really hook them, you got to work smarter because they're, you know, they're looking, they're watching. And, and if you can hook them, you know, then they're going to, they're going to spend their money like water because you're giving them what they paid to see. I think that that's the same thing I was saying earlier of, 
if you can work the boys, you can work them. I mean, you know, things, just little things like that. If I can make the boys uh, convinced that, because I've had other ones where I come back and they go, God, were you, were you pissed? Were you shooting on him? I'm like, no, man, I was just doing my shit. So if I can convince them, I can convince the, the marks. But also, yeah, I agree. same thing when you said that made me think of what I do now, which, you know, is sell cars. The people that are buying cars from me because of the Internet, because of, you know, the progressive intelligence you just talked about, they got the same tools as I do. So I don't know how to sit there and, 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 and work them on anything. I'm like, look, this is what your car is worth. You can look this up on the same. And I'll pull it up on my computer. This is what your car is worth according to the website you're telling me about. This is what I'll give you for it. This is how much mine is worth. And if we can do business, we can. If we can't, we can't. The world has changed in, in, in that thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've got to adapt and you've got to know what you're selling. You know, you, you're selling, you know, um, um, you know, in the car business, you're selling uh, uh, a continued relationship based on trust that they feel like they can trust you and that they walk out with a, a feeling that, you know, they weren't taken to, taken to the cleaners and that, that both, both of you came out well, you know, both, right. you know, came out with the, good on the deal. Um, right. You know, in wrestling, you're selling who you are so that because if people, trust me, when I tell you this, if people can, if an audience can believe in who you are, they'll believe in anything you do. Anything you do, yeah. and you believe they, you get them to believe in who you are, and then why you're out there in that ring, and what's yeah. at stake, and they will pay to see you because they get what they want. They want to desperately believe. They want to suspend their disbelief and get wrapped up and yeah. emotionally invested. And if you're out there trying to just sell them on what you do, it's never going to happen. Right. That's never going to occur. You know that that's where the disconnects are. One last thing on that, man, and I, we talked about this here, I think, a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a match in Louisville uh, when the Smoky Mountain, and you remember this, uh, although they didn't put you in part of that, uh, it was it was me and Jamie, rock and roll, heavenly body, mm -hmm. and all that stuff, the, the whole invasion thing. There was a night, man, when uh, me and Jamie and even Randy Hales, he got color. And they sent the medics out. It's a Louisville Guards. They sent the medics out. And we worked the medics. I mean, sure. they didn't talk about no blade job, no nothing like that. And, you know, we worked them. They thought we were hurt, and they literally came out there, carted us back, and we did not break kayfabe for two seconds. We sold that thing the whole way. And then the next week, guess what? It was even better. So, sure, yeah. So, yeah. If you Work everybody, you can work everybody, but uh, it's, it's an art form that uh, I just don't know if it's, it's still there no more. I wish it was. <laughs> it can be. It can be. It can be. It can be. I've got current affairs. I'd love to hear your take. So, as we always do, DJ, hit the music. It's a current affair. It's a current affair. All right, we're back with Al Snow and the current affairs. So I ask these questions basically 
to get under Wolfie's skin because he is admittedly <laughs> not watching current wrestling. Now, as a current promoter, I would imagine it's a little different with you. So my first one is pretty current. Right now in the WWE, there is a current contest going on with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar with them basically treating Paul Heyman like, well, a wishbone, essentially. And Paul is doing a great job with it. How do you book that entire storyline? Well, there are a lot of variables. Um, And it's it's tough to answer, um, you know, because I've got to speculate on overall, you know, what it is they're trying to do. You know, I would assume um, because Brock is part time, the be- the the right business would be to use Brock to elevate Roman Reigns. Um, now I said elevate. I didn't say get over. I didn't say get heat. I said elevate to use Brock in the manner you know to elevate Roman Reigns and make El- Roman Reigns more of an attraction on his own. Um, you know, and that would be the that would be the solid business that I would would think should be done. Um, and I think that's probably what they're going to do is the, you know, and Brock is great. Brock is, you know, very well, he's really developed and became a really good worker. And, um, and I think Brock's going to, you know, come in and, 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 uh, be able to do that to help elevate range and take him to another level, um, and make him more of a draw. Yeah, that's the ultimate goal. I've even heard rumors, and we spoke about this with D'Lo, of them possibly ultimately leading to a, a matchup with The Rock at a future WrestleMania between Roman and The Rock. If they're going to do that, then that's why they, they're going to use Brock to elevate Reigns as much as possible because you can break The Rock in to work with Roman, but if if the Reigns isn't properly elevated, then it's not going to draw. Right. It's not going to make sense because The Rock would just go over it. And everybody would, there'd be no heat. Everybody, there would, and heat, just so we understand, heat's not anger. Heat's not, heat's not aggression. Heat is not, you know, it's a want. It's a need, a desire to see the outcome, an interest. That's what heat is, okay? You can build that want, that need, that desire into frustration, into anger. You know, you can build that heat into those kinds of things, into violence. But that's not what heat is. Heat is, is, is that want, that need, that desire, in the coupled with a belief that if an audience invests in, in it, then they are more than likely going to get what it is that they're paying to see. Right. That's great. Thank you for that answer. The second one, as my small amount of time actually met Wolfie in the backstage at all Showtime All-Star Wrestling there in Nashville, working as a manager. Where do you see the manager today? Is it a smaller wrestler? Is it a traditional Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette? Where do you see the manager? Is it ever going to happen again? Well, it may. Um, You've got to understand that most of the managers that you used to see back in the day were former wrestlers. So they right. knew how to to do their real job, which was to accentuate um, their 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 man. You know, when they're on the outside of the ring, their job was to never take away or take or shift the spotlight off of the he off the person in the ring, but to you know simply add to to accentuate to create a sense or feeling of of more believability and um, to help sell whatever their their man was selling at that particular time. And they knew how to do that because they were all former wrestlers, you know? And so they had that sense, that feel, that vibe of doing it. And so that that's what's shifted. That's what's changed. 
uh, nowadays is that you you have so few of them because of the fact that you don't have many uh, former wrestlers, workers, former workers who now can right. take on that role and know how to accentuate um, and get over or add heat to the person that they're representing. You know, Paul is probably one of the last ones because, you know, he's been around for so long, so he understands what he needs to do and when he needs to do it and why he needs to do it to properly add to whatever his his client or performer is doing at that time. Um, and it's it's also it's a, a budget thing, too. You know, right. uh, you're now trying to sell an act that, I, you know, as a promoter, i got to pay for two guys. I got to pay for right. you, and then I got to pay for your manager. Well, you, you better your manager better be good, and he better help to draw the house, because I, I hate to break it to people in the wrestling business, but this isn't Walmart. You're not you're not hired. You're not entitled to get paid. You know you're paid off the house, and you know your responsibility is to make yourself into an attraction, a draw that then warrants you getting paid and getting paid more because you're responsible for more people showing up at the, uh, at the event. The promoter's job is to make sure word is out and that as many people as possible in that area know that the event exists and that you're going to be there. Your job is to make sure that your name will motivate people to want to buy a ticket to come see you. Because if right. I put your name on a poster and you don't sell, nobody is willing to buy a ticket to see you, then you're not worth anything. I, I hate to point that to you, but you're just not. No, and that doesn't a, just yeah. work in wrestling. That works in every form of entertainment. That's why right. movie actors are held in higher esteem than television actors. That's why the Oscars right. are held in higher esteem than, than you know, an Emmy. Because right. the television actor, you don't have to invest anything other than the effort of tele, turning the television on to see them do the job. A movie actor like Tom Cruise, you've got to leave. He's got to motivate millions of people to leave their homes, drive to a movie theater, and pay $15 and up to buy a ticket to watch him do the movie. You know what I mean? So that's a big difference. That's why he gets what he gets paid. Because, you know, that's why, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a terrible actor. But he got paid an enormous amount of money and got to make a lot of movies for one reason. Because people left their homes and bought a ticket to watch him in those movies. You know? And, you know, he's never going to wear an Oscar, but he's sure going to pack a movie theater. And at the end right. of the day, that's what you want to do is you want to be, you want to endeavor as a professional wrestler to be the thing that drives ticket sales, not just be a great wrestler. Right, right. That's awesome. The best advice. Any future managers or people thinking about being managers, that is amazing advice. Thank you for that. Now, my third sure. one is a little bit of hyperbole for you because I want you to, you know, understand kind of, I've always appreciated your work. I think you are one of those that I would consider a cerebral wrestler. You're intelligent. From everything that I've listened to you or heard about you, you've definitely got some brains there. With that <laughs> People would question said, that. <laughs> well, I get it. But with that being said, the forbidden door is now open. NWA. What is that? Well, the possible forbidden door that brings in, you know, these guys like Kenny Omega wrestling on impact, these kinds of things. Anyway, where can you see OVW's place in that? Looking right there. Far along? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, for, for anybody out there, um, OVW is a great option to, um, I'm sure they have talent that need polish and that need, you know, experience and need a better understanding of just exactly what, you know, in development, 
you know, and, right. and OVW serves that better than anybody else. Um, period. You know, I have, have, you know, I have, I always tell everyone this. Okay. Um, and I firmly believe in this, um, because you have information on any topic, whatever the topic is, you can have all the information you want in the world, but you don't have real knowledge of that topic until you have a commensurate amount of experience, whether it's good or bad experience. If you have experience, you now have knowledge, you have an understanding of what that information is. And to prove that, if you go to medical school, anywhere from eight to 12 years, depending on your specialty, the minute you graduate from medical school, you're not a licensed physician, you're not a doctor. And the reason right. you're not is because you haven't done residency, which is anywhere from a year to four years of actual hands-on experience, supervised hands-on experience. Once you complete that, then, and only then, are you now a doctor, a physician. And the, and the point I'm trying to make is, is that, you know, that applies to everything in life, everything. We live in a land, in a world with a phone where your access to information is unlimited, but your real knowledge of that information is limited because you don't have experience in those particular arenas. And if you've never been a professional wrestler, then you can have all the information you want, but you have no real knowledge of what it is we're doing or why we're doing it. You can right. have an opinion, and you're entitled to that, and, I, and you're free to have it. Can I jump in on this? Because this is this is one thing that like really hits a nerve with me. I've always said this. This is my analogy. It's like, okay, you know, once we went from bookers to writers, that was my thing. I was like, okay, these guys, yeah, they come from Hollywood or whatever, and they're they're writing these scripts, but they've never been in the ring. I don't understand how. Would you want a uh, a coach? coaching your team that has never been in football and, and won games, you know what I'm saying? Never been in the middle of, of, of the, of the field. Would you want somebody writing something for you that has never been in the middle of the ring to know when, okay, this, this ain't working. This ain't working. We need to go here. We need to go there. That's the man. I, I totally agree with that, man. And that was, that's my analogy on it. Is why would you want somebody coaching your team that ain't never been to the Super Bowl? Well, and in our place in that world, in the, the supposed forbidden door, um, it would be in that role, you know, and it would be a place where guys could come and get developed and could be, you know, brought up and polished to where they could start to work their way up the ladder in the other companies and be more of a draw, more of an attraction. Um, because that's, that's really what I focus on in OVW is, is I, I really, you know, I, I don't care how they go about it. I don't care how much they do. I don't care how little they do. I don't care how many moves they do. Uh, you know, it, it, none of that matters to me. All that matters is to me, can you do it to where it now motivates more people to show up next Thursday in that building to see you? And if not, then we're not doing the right things. Right. Um, are we motivating more people to want to tune in on Thursday night and watch the show? If we're not, then we're not, we're doing it wrong. Simple as that. And, you know, um, I try to really focus on and reacquaint the performers in, in that manner so that they can, you know, and we run live events on a regular basis so that the guys have an opportunity not to just be in an empty building running drills, but actually out in front of an audience to develop a persona that will connect with an audience that they can elicit an emotional connection and then drive ticket sales. 
You know, that's right. uh, that's what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah. And we can we can operate very well within that world. I you know not one of us other than you know Tony Khan's got amazing resources and good for him. But impact is limited. You know, um, Ring of Honor is limited. I'm sure. Uh, you know, uh, NWA is limited. You know, none of us have the resources of WWE or or, or AEW. So why not all of us work together and pull together and and help each other, and uh, you know, and then that way you know all all ships rise on the right on the same tide. Um, instead of us fighting over scraps, um, why don't we work together and put each other over? And uh, right. you know, instead of burying each other or oh well, you know that they're they're not gonna, you know, they're just second rate or this or that. Put them over. Hey, you know they're you know. NWA's doing their thing and, you know, good for them. And, you know, some of our guys go down there, some of their guys come up here. And it, it'll only help to, to benefit everyone. Um, yeah. And what, what strengths I have, uh, you know, someone else might have other strengths. And uh, what weaknesses I have, someone with those other strengths might be able to help, you know, plug those holes that I have in my operation where I might be able to plug some holes in someone else's operation or, you know, um, both in advice or direction or management or talent, whatever it is, um, so that we all can work to better our odds of being able to continue operating and building something that, you know, the young talent have a place that they can actually make a living doing it and then and, and understanding and connecting with that idea and the developing the, that talent to go up to bigger and bigger platforms to become actual real attractions that where once the business is hot, it's hot for everybody based off of that. And then where older talent that have had runs can come back and reinvent themselves, can reinvigorate themselves and take themselves off into a new direction and again become an attraction that ultimately makes business hot again that we all make money again. You know, that ultimately is why we all shake hands. Is that we all shake right. hands not for out of respect. We all shake hands because we all need each other. You can't be a heel and have heat if you don't have a baby face that's over. You can't be over as a baby face if you don't have a heel that has heat. You can't yeah. be the main event if you don't have an opening match. You can't win if someone's not willing to lose. And hey, I've seen it. You can't lose if somebody's not willing to win. Yeah. So you know, no you dragons to, without dragon slayers. That's what I always heard. That's right. You can't you can't have heroes without villains. You know, you know, it's you could be you, you could be Jesus, the most over his baby face in the history of the world. Can't get more over than Jesus. Had great high spots, walked on water, cured sick, healed the blind, turned yeah. water into wine. Yeah. But you go into any church, any Christian based church, they spend three quarters of the time putting heat on Satan. Why? Because if Satan ain't got heat, Jesus ain't gonna draw money. Simple as that. Right. Right. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Speaking of that, I think we just had church. (laughs) (laughs) The best analogy ever. Al, hey, man, I seriously want to thank you. uh, Thank you, guys. Oh, this has been awesome, man. Just being able to sit back with you. And I feel like we just had a a three-hour trip to Memphis or something. Uh, (laughs) It was awesome, man. Thank you so much. If you don't Uh, mind, I want to shamelessly plug. No, uh, plug all your stuff. Don't do it shamelessly. I want you to put it up. Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. You can follow me at the real Al snow. Um, and, uh, TikTok. Uh, I haven't put up any videos, but I will, um, the real Al snow. And, uh, I've got a comic book coming out uh, um, with dude, publishing. Told, 
God, I was going to talk to you about that, man. The yeah. comic thing, I'm a huge mark for because I don't know if you've ever seen, but I, I mean, I've always been able to draw and I've done some of it uh, on social media and stuff like that, man. That is huge to me. Oh, it's, it's uh, enormous. I, I love it. Man, tell, we're going we're gonna to take up some more time, man. Please tell me a little bit about that. Sure. It's uh, with Broken Icon Comics, and um, what we're doing is we came out with a 40-page um, uh, double-size issue for the first issue, which is uh, what's great. It's not a, it's not based, it's based off of wrestling, but it is not all about wrestling. It is. Yeah, I've seen I have the even, version of you, and I'm like, okay, so they're not doing it uh, like wrestling-based or whatever. You're kind of like you're like a, an Avenger. You're kind of like a hero or whatever. I guess. Well, all the adventures take place because I'm crazy in my head. So okay. I, it starts out, the first one starts out, I'm in a wrestling ring, and I start to kind of fade because I'm putting a hold. And then next thing you know, I'm in a post-apocalyptic world. I've got a detective agency, and I overhear that this waitress says that she got her heart stolen the night before, which means she fell in love. But I think her heart actually got stolen, so now I'm going to go and solve the case because I'm going to get it back for her. Uh-huh. And it's pretty ridiculous. And then... The next issue, I'm a secret agent, and I am trying to uh, infiltrate Canada, which is like our is Russia to the north. So, right. um, and then we're also doing the Marvel team up in between the bigger the ballads of Al Snow and Head, and yeah. um, the first one will be out I think next month. And I did a team up with Chavo Guerrero, and we're doing like a western. Okay. Um, on that one, so it uh, the top guys in the comic industry guys like you know that are artists for like you know teenage mutant ninja turtles and game of thrones and uh, you know cool. from marvel and dc they all worked on it and you know the artwork's amazing and yeah it is um, I think that's what honestly like i said that's what turned me on to it just because i can yeah. draw stuff and uh i've always been a like a comic fan i was a huge yeah. huge conan the barbarian fan when i was a kid and then i always used to uh i think i've said this on here but not to you but i used to draw stuff out of uh muscle and fitness i would use yeah. those body types to draw wrestlers and i had my own federation and all this kind of stuff man but yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome it's really cool that you have you have a comic book now i mean yeah you, I'm thrilled. When, man, you got your when will that be released? Book. You're saving people's lives. You're doing everything. <laughs> well, it's released now. It's it's okay. out on Broken Icon. Uh, you can, they can go to Broken Icon Comics right now, um, and BrokenIconComics.com. Um, and and we've only we've only been doing it direct right now. We we haven't gone to the distributors yet, but we're going to the distributors, and they'll be out in comic book stores everywhere. Um, I, I think there's a pot, potential deal on the table to put to maybe even be in Spencer's gifts at some point. So, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, it's, I just thrilled because I'm, I'm such a big comic book mark and, and such a fan. And so to have my own comic book is just, it's like mind blowing. To, That's really cool. is totally cool. But thank you again, man. I mean, this has been thank an awesome interview it just seems like every time i do this i'm just reconnecting with people that i haven't talked to in a minute and uh like i said honestly from 2013 and on i felt like i was out of the business but then doing this uh with the help of jimmy has just made it like so much cooler man just talking to you you know just just people that feel the way I feel and know the things I know and have been there and 
done that and it's just it's been fun man i always have a good time doing this and you've been an absolute 100 percent pleasure well thank you man i appreciate you both having me on and you know um if anybody has any interest they can go to obwrestling.com um if they want any interest in the uh the um school you can go to aswa.live the al snow wrestling academy yeah. Absolutely. Um, Who's the, are you, are you hands-on training? Who's training right now? I, um, so I have, um, three trainers, um, because I do, I break it down into beginners, intermediate and advanced. And each class you learn certain skills and understandings that help you to learn the skills in the next class and make you a true worker. So, um, um, beginners class, I am right now, in fact, I'm about to leave and go down to the arena, um, for a, a, a beginners class. We're going to, and I want to point out too, we're the only wrestling school in the world in the world that are actually accredited by the state office of proprietary education as a trade school. No one else in the world is, has that designation. So, um, uh, you know, so anyways, um, uh, Mike Walden, uh, he teaches a beginner's class because he has a certain amount of experience level that he's perfect for. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Gunn, uh, teaches the intermediate again, based on experience. And then I got really lucky because I have Doug Basham of the Basham brothers from WWE, uh, he came back, and Doug is teaching the advanced class because, of course, and I, I recommend this to anyone out there who is thinking about going to a wrestling school. If your dreams are to go to WWE, get taught by someone who has been in WWE because if you have it, you can't. They can't teach you what you need to know or what to expect or how to succeed if you have an opportunity if they've not been there. No. And if you if your dream is to go overseas. Be taught by someone who has the experience of doing it. Absolutely. Simple as that. Tell Doug I said hello, man. Uh, oh, I will. Absolutely. Yeah. That I've heard from him, and we have some history. But, yeah, I totally agree on that. I, I did my own school in Nashville for a little bit, and, you know, it, it was successful. And I totally, man, if, if you want to go somewhere, you got to get trained by somebody that's been at least that has that experience. That, man, you just you can't get it from Johnny next door who who wrestled at the flea market for a couple. And that's not I'm not taking away from the other guys. It it comes down to what I said before. You can have all the information you want about a topic, but if you don't have experience with that information, you no. don't have real knowledge. No, and, you, you know that applies even if you go to a college and you want to you want to go for accounting, and the accountant is you know the professor is great. He was top of his class. He's never worked anywhere other than just teaching at the school. Well, then what's he going to teach you? Right. You know, exactly. what's he going to teach you other than the information that's just being parsed out through the book? So, you know, anybody could do that. But if he's worked for IBM, he's worked for Microsoft, he's, he's been an accountant for, you know, he worked in the IRS as an accountant. Right. You know, right. now he comes to the, the college. Brother, he can teach you some stuff and tell you what to expect and how to handle it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean... Could been setting better, man. But again, thank you, man. And and we're gonna, once again, folks, thank you for uh, tuning in to Live and in Color with Wolfie D. This has been Al Snow. We appreciate you. Tune in next week. And now a word from our sponsor. gentlemen welcome to give me back my pro wrestling the podcast that's based on the old school but can still help you find the good stuff from today 
Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling! Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty Call and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah! Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. If you're a fan of rock music, I'd really appreciate it if you took a moment to check out my podcast. It's called the Decibel Geek Podcast. We've been doing it for about 10 years now. We talk about Kiss. We talk about Ozzy. We talk about Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and Metallica. We talk about all the legends from the 60s and on up to brand new bands that you should be hearing about today that you're not going to hear on the radio. It's Decibel Geek. Wherever you find your podcasts, you'll find us there. If you love rock and roll, I can almost guarantee you're going to love my show. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. I got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. He got a cat for you don't. And here we go. The
original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth, still lobbing in color, don't rush your mother, utilize a hubcap, I'm like any other, back in the day, I was N.O.D., and I was P to the G, plus the one and the three, in case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D, been cloned and copied so many times, tired of suckers taking credit for what is mine, you know who you are, without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip-hop, been doing it like this since 92, laid low for a while, and you thought I was through, listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected, this shit's so sick it makes your ears get infected, mad skills, no faking, there is no one great, cause I'm bringing more folks from over one or later, not here to play games, so you better beware, you don't like me, so what, I really don't care, like time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped, you suck a step to the side unless you wanna get dropped, when I finish, I'll straight knock you out, please allow me to tell you what it's all about, gonna wind it up, then I'm driving it home, it's Ruby D, baby, huh, I got a cap for your dome, I got a cap for your dome, we got a cap for your dome, we got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.